This is The Guardian. Today, are women being misled about the benefits of freezing their eggs? Since Alexandra was little, she's believed that the pieces of her life would eventually fall into place. I feel like we're a generation that have been told we can have everything, have a great career, get married, have a family. She went to university, worked hard, got well-paid work and lived abroad. I have an amazing life. I have a great job, I have really great friends, I go on loads of holidays, I've got loads of hobbies. But I noticed, particularly when I lived in Hong Kong, I had a really great group of female friends, all super successful, amazing people, all single. A couple of them have met people, but not all. Single again and back in the UK, Alexandra found herself in lockdown with a lot of time to think about what was really important to her. Having a family was something she'd always imagined would just happen, but it wasn't happening. The combination of COVID and a breakdown of a relationship when I was kind of 34, 35. So that was just before COVID. Then I had two years of basically just watching my fertility slip away, not necessarily thinking it was something that I desperately wanted to do, but also appreciating that the option might be taken away from me if I didn't do anything about it. What she decided to do was to get her eggs frozen to increase her chance of getting pregnant in the future if she wants to. Actually, a friend eventually said, why don't you just, just do it? Just stop thinking about it and just do it. And when I went to the fertility clinic, because I'm nearly th- kind of three months off being 38, they basically said, if you're going to do it, do it now. So it was no one's thing, a combination of lots of small things. And then I just went ahead and booked it in. Egg freezing is a procedure that was, at one time, only available to women who had particular medical needs. But 10 years ago, it was opened up to anyone who could afford it. In the past decade, the industry has boomed. Egg freezing is being sold to women as an insurance policy. But many fertility experts say that's misleading. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, Is it worth freezing your eggs? So, Alexandra, you've come into the studio this morning because for the past few weeks you've been going through the process of freezing your eggs. What's brought you to that point? Why did you feel like that would be a good option for you? I was so career-focused, basically up until now, that I just thought the other stuff would happen. And I think I've realised that it doesn't just happen. You actually have to do something about it. Most of my friends who are between 35 and 40 are all going through the same kind of thoughts and just don't. nobody knows quite how to deal with it. And I realise I'm in a fortunate position where I've had a really good job and I've saved and it's not like I can afford to do it without worrying about it. What did you know about the process before you went into it? I knew that you had to inject yourself with hormones. That was probably about it. And it's a really good question because I didn't appreciate what was actually going to happen until I did it. As in, we're going to give you these hormones and then we're going to watch your follicles grow to a certain size over 
10-day-ish period. I didn't have any appreciation of, oh, that's how my reproductive system works. I think a lot of people are not fully clued up about how our reproductive systems are working. I definitely don't think you're alone in that. Dr. Zainab Girton, you're a lecturer in women's health at University College London and you're a specialist in egg freezing. Let's talk first, if we can, about fertility. How does a woman's fertility change as she ages? The big difference between men and women is that women are born with all of the eggs they will ever have, whereas men's bodies can make sperm, regenerate sperm cells. So a woman loses eggs throughout her life. By the time she hits puberty, she's already lost a lot of them. Certainly by the time she's in her 30s, she's lost a great majority of them. Whereas men, we know, of course, are able to keep making sperm and there's you know, you only need to look at a random selection of rock stars to see <laughs> men <laughs> who've had children way late into their 60s, 70s. Although more recently, scientists have also discovered that the quality of men's sperm does decline a little bit with age, but it's nothing like women's. It was 10 years ago that this technology, egg freezing, was opened up for anyone who could afford it. Can you tell me about the history of the procedure? How did it come into being and how has the technology developed over time? First of all, think about what is an egg? What's an egg cell? And egg cells are the largest cell in the human body and they have a very high water content. And that means they're very difficult to freeze. So whereas sperm freezing has been around for a very, very long time, egg freezing technologically was much more tricky. And scientists had been freezing eggs for a while, but the success rates with it were very low. And then in the beginning of the 2000s, they developed this new flash freezing technique, which is called vitrification. They proved that it had much better success rates than the prior slow freezing technology. And initially it was used specifically in the case of women who needed it for medical reasons. So women who were going to go through cancer treatment or something like that, that was going to threaten their fertility, their eggs would be frozen. There were enough studies to show the success rates of flash freezing had improved adequately. The American society and the European society said we can proceed with caution, but egg freezing can be opened up. And for the first few years, we really didn't have many numbers, didn't really hear much about it. And then around 2014, 2015, a few large companies decided to offer this to their employees, so Facebook and Apple. And that was really what made the big headlines. So it's really, that was a bit of a watershed moment for egg freezing. And then suddenly egg freezing was in the news and it became much more talked about, much better known. What are the demographics of the women who tend to be going through this? So in the UK at the moment, the average age of women who are freezing their eggs is 37, 38. So <laughs> knowing what we know about age-related fertility decline, we know that women who are 37, 38, their fertility has already been reduced. So those eggs are not going to be the freshest, most premium eggs. But also from a sociological point of view, it makes perfect sense that it's women who are 37 and 38 who are freezing their eggs because it's those women who might be thinking, hang on, unless I do something now, I might completely miss my opportunity to have a biological child. Let's look at the science of it then. How does it actually work? Basically, the way it works is the drug. So you're, you're on a cocktail of hormones, drugs, for a few weeks, and that can be anything between 
two weeks to up to six weeks, depending on what kind of protocols being used, your age, your underlying hormone profile. But those hormones are used to encourage your ovaries to develop multiple follicles, multiple eggs. So instead of the one mature egg you would get in a month, you're getting multiple eggs. And the number of those eggs will be very individual depending on a woman, her age, her hormone levels, etc. But the doctors will be trying to find the optimum number for you, whatever that is. You definitely don't want way too many because then you're at risk of something called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which can be quite serious and can be quite a risky condition. But also, if you're going through this whole procedure, ideally you'd want more than, you know, two, three, four, five. So it's about finding that balance. And once those eggs are extracted, which is done through, it's a needle that goes through the vagina, they are immediately flash frozen using this technique of vitrification, which means that they are preserved precisely in the state that they're in. So if a 35-year-old woman freezes her eggs today, and wishes to use them in 10 years' time when she's 45, effectively, she will be going through IVF with her 35-year-old eggs. Well, let's talk about the procedure itself then. What should a woman expect when she goes into a fertility clinic and says, I'm interested in this procedure? If a woman is interested in egg freezing, I would say the first thing she should do before she sets foot in a clinic is do a little bit of independent reading about it. The Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority, which is our independent regulator of fertility treatments in the UK, they have some really great independent comprehensive information on their website. But once you set foot in a clinic, the first thing that they will do usually is a fertility assessment. So check your hormone levels, do a scan, check your ovaries, see how many eggs you've got, how many follicles you've got, so that they can tailor a, a slightly individualized package for you, or at least be able to tell you if you were to go through a cycle of egg freezing, this is roughly how many eggs we would expect based on your age, this is how successful we would expect it to be, etc. There should be conversations around why do you want to do this? What are your expectations? What do you understand regarding the potential side effects or the potential risks? How does it fit in with your lifestyle? How are you going to manage it with regards to work? It's a really a comprehensive, holistic, completely rounded discussion of how are you going to manage going through this somewhat invasive medical treatment and what are your expectations of it? Now, whether that conversation always happens, I think, is another question. Alexandra, once you decided that you wanted to freeze your eggs, how did you go about the process? About 18 months ago, I went for a, what, a fertility MOT, uh, which most clinics seem to offer, and it's kind of three, four, five hundred pounds to have a blood test and a scan, and they give you an indication of your ovarian reserve. When I went to the clinic, it just felt like a really impersonal, strange experience where you just got moved from kind of room to room for a blood test and then go for the scan where somebody literally sticks a probe inside you when you're on your period without explaining what they're doing, really. And then you have a video follow-up with the consultant who says, this is the situation very factually and then move straight on to the topic of social free egg freezing. Right, so that MOT is purely to tell you how many eggs you've got and how your body's likely to respond to fertility drugs. It's not going to tell you what quality those eggs are. And it sounds like, in your experience, it also wasn't holistic. The doctors 
weren't trying to assess whether egg freezing really is the best option for you, given your life situation. What did you do after that first appointment? You then basically, you say, yes, I'm going to do it. And you go to the first appointment. They work out how much hormone injections you need to give yourself every day. You basically go back and pick up a bag of drugs that cost me £1,000 for a small paper bag. So the initial outlay, you've you've spent, what, £400 on the fertility MOT and then £1,000 on the initial batch of drugs. And what are the other costs? £3,600 on the process, which is all of the scans and blood tests and the actual procedure to retrieve the eggs and the follow-up. That seems so expensive. It's not particularly controllable. If you were cost-sensitive, it could and must add up so quickly. We're basically paying for the chance, don't know how big it is, that we might still be able to have a child in a more natural time scale. And by that, I mean, that means we don't need to go and have a kid with the next person that we date. What's the process like of having to inject yourself? Somebody described it to me as shockingly DIY, and I think that's reasonably accurate. Feels like you're doing a little science experiment. Not remotely medical trained, no idea, never touched a syringe before in my life, but involved grabbing a bit of your stomach. So it's subcutaneous, and then basically following the video to watch how you might inject yourself. So the first time, you don't really know whether you're doing the right thing or not. Bizarre. Yeah. How many days did you have to inject yourself for? It would have been nine days in total. And then, so then after those nine days, what happens? On the third scan, so they aspirate your follicles and extract the eggs. I think that was the worst bit because you're asleep and then you wake up and you do feel a bit uncomfortable and you have absolutely no idea whether it's successful or not. How many eggs did they retrieve? They retrieved eight, but they could only freeze six. That sounds like a reasonably good result. I think it's okay for my age, yeah. Did the doctors lay out with you what the chances of success would be before you started going through it? No, and I think that that is probably something that could be talked about a bit more. I've read all of that on the internet. What they said to me was, you will probably need to do this three times because we won't get enough eggs in one round. And then there's the cost of the storage as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Within 24 hours of the retrieval, I'd had my first invoice for my egg rent at £25 a month. Did you think about other options before you decided on egg freezing, like adoption? I don't want to be a single parent. I think I've reached that conclusion. Having a child by yourself with a sperm donor or adoption, it, maybe it's something I'll think about like later, but it's not something I'm thinking about now. And then, you know, the other real option is um, you accept that you might not have children. And at some point, I probably would be willing to accept that too. When I think about options, the option is, you know, put a lot of energy into trying to meet someone. And I feel I did that to the best I could, given it was COVID, given I was extracting myself from a previous relationship, which wasn't that easy to extract myself from. And would that be a conversation that you would have with somebody when you went on a first or one one of the early dates with them? I wouldn't. I'm not totally against it. I just wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. 
Uh, but I definitely, you know, if you're using online dating, if people have said they have and don't want any more children, I would move past them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beth Fellini, you're a life coach who specialises in helping women decide whether they should have a baby or not. What's the first conversation you tend to have with somebody when they come to see you? The first conversation is usually I ask, you know, what, you know, what are you finding challenging about this decision? What are you scared of? What are you worried about? What's holding you back from moving forward? So it's really broad opening to try and find out, you know, what's, what's, what's stopping someone making this really important decision? So I have something I ask people to fill in. It's kind of a spectrum. At one end, it's um, I really want children. At the other end, it's I, I really I don't want children. I want to be child free. And so some people come and they're really right in the middle. They like I can't decide. I bounce back and forth. I don't have a really strong pull one way or the other. Some people are really leaning towards um, one direction. So some people actually say, you know, I really do want children, but it's not how I'm not in the place I thought I would be. I'm not with someone. Um, I'm either single or my partner doesn't really want kids. So what do I do now? Um, or I have people the other way going, you know what? I really have no desire to have kids. I, you know, I, 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 I'm not really interested in children. I, I like my life, but everyone says it's the most wonderful thing. You know, and I really worry that I'm going to be missing out, that I'll regret it. It seems like quite a lot of the people who take on egg freezing are doing it because they just genuinely don't know whether they want a child or not. How do you coach somebody when they are sitting in front of you and saying, I just don't know. I just don't know if I want a child. Yeah. I mean, this is my concern with egg freezing. It's definitely not certain with anything with fertility. And in fact, I talk about that with clients straight up. I'm like, you know, this whole, I, I coach you to make a decision, but there's no guarantees. So you might, I might coach and you say, yeah, I really want kids, but then there's so much unknown. You don't know if you'll get pregnant. You don't know what will happen. And so for me, I worry about the egg freezing because sometimes I feel it's sold as, all right, you can put off the decision, you can have it as insurance and come back to it. Um, and my preference would be to help people make the decision about having kids or not now, you know? And also I want to challenge that idea. There's sometimes this idea, and I see it in some of the literature, that there's some ideal time to have a child. That as you freeze your eggs, when you're ready at the right point in your career or when you have the right relationship, you can have your child. Like I feel it's selling a sort of an ideal about there's this right time to have children. And actually, you know what? <laughs> Maybe there isn't a right time. Maybe there's not an ideal time. Maybe if you don't have a partner right now, maybe, yeah, let's look at what it'd be like to be a, a single mother by choice. Maybe it's looking at, well, what would a child-free life be like? Let's embrace that because I just worry. And I have sometimes coached women who have frozen their eggs earlier and have come now saying, oh, I did this, but actually, do I really want to you know, have a child now? 
some clients say they were glad they did it anyway because it gave them a bit of peace of mind and space. So I'm not totally against it. I just have my concerns. And I just think that actually maybe taking some time to really work through this decision where you're at and, and looking at the possibilities. If you want a kid, could you have one now, you know? If a woman is coming to you and considering egg freezing, to what extent does the urgency, her sense of her biological clock ticking, affect her ability to make that decision? Yeah, I think it's very hard because there's a sense of panic. I try and help people take the pressure off themselves. It's helping people find that breath and that sense and not make the decision from a place of panic or fear. We also tend to listen to these negative voices, and I we call that the saboteur. So I get people to say, like, okay, imagine your saboteur is a real person. What is this voice saying? So, I don't know, a client might say, yeah, I've got the saboteur. It says I'll be a rubbish mother, you know, I won't be able to do it as good as my mom. Or it might say, you know, you're working, you can't possibly be a good mother if you're working, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we get these voices, we hear them in society. You know, we live in a society which is really, um, it's, it's structural inequality. And that's a fact, but we internalize this voice. And I say, okay, let's challenge that. If you didn't have this voice, what would you think? It's about putting that aside and then saying, okay, well, if you listen to your most wise voice, your calm voice, what would that be saying? And that, to me, is the heart of it. It's helping people figure out ways to unpick all this crap <laughs> that we have in society say well what does your voice say you know for somebody who you know really wants to be child free they might have a voice saying oh you're not really a woman you can't you're not going to be happy you're not going to be fulfilled and it's like how can you challenge that voice you know and then I might give people homework well you know talk to people who are child free look at that so you know, there's different ways, but for me, I guess the crux of it to like bottom line it, it's really for me, it's the coaching is about helping people unpick some of the rubbish and listen to that inner voice and also look at things from different perspectives. Because I think a lot of people think, well, if I, you know, I've done my pros and cons, I've looked at it logically, why can't I decide? And I think that's because this decision like a lot of decisions, actually, but we don't acknowledge it, there are other forces at play. And we just got to unpick that so we can actually start to trust ourselves. Coming up, are clinics being transparent enough about this process? Zaina, let's talk about who's actually carrying out these procedures. In the UK, is it all done privately or can you ever get this on the NHS? So egg freezing is only done on the NHS when it's for medical reasons. If a woman might be going through cancer treatment or something like that, where there's an immediate medical threat to her fertility, then she could have her eggs frozen on the NHS. But the vast majority of egg freezing cycles and all of the kind of the elective or social cycles take place in the private sector, which again makes egg freezing quite unique among fertility treatments because all other fertility treatments at least have some basis in the NHS. So this is a purely private practice. How long can eggs be stored for? So in the UK, we used to have this 10-year storage limit 
And now that limit has been lifted. So you can keep consenting for further storage every 10 years, up to a total of 55 years. Why was that altered? There were now quite a few women who were raising issues with the fact that they'd come towards the end of their storage limit. And for one reason or another, they hadn't yet used those eggs. And they were facing this really devastating decision of those eggs having to be discarded or having to use them in a rush when they didn't yet feel ready. So that 10-year limit has now been extended, which I feel is right, because you don't want to put people in a position of having to throw away these precious eggs just because they haven't quite had enough time. But I, I am a little bit worried that now we've had that 10-year limit removed, that might sort of give the go-ahead to clinics to target younger and younger women. And I think it's really important that we think about how we can create a culture in which that doesn't become the norm or the imperative. If a woman decides that she would like to use the eggs that she's had frozen, what's the process that she has to go through? Well, if a woman decides she wants to go back and use those eggs, the eggs would be thawed and then they would be fertilised with some sperm. It's sort of you're doing the second half of an IVF cycle, as it were. There are lots of tests associated with that as well. You know, both the sperm provider, if it's not a donor, and you yourself have to go through lots of different tests. Now, again, at that point, several things might happen. Some of the eggs might not survive the thaw process. So if you froze 10 eggs, perhaps one or two of those won't survive the thaw process. So then you have eight eggs that have been fertilized with sperm. Of those eight eggs that are fertilized with sperm, some may successfully fertilize and some won't. The fertilization just won't kick off. So let's say you then have six that have been fertilized. Of those six fertilized eggs, some of them will continue to grow and the cells will divide and others will just stop growing. From starting with 10 eggs to thawing to fertilizing to growing, you may end up with one or two embryos. And then some people will choose to have those embryos genetically tested to check if they have severe genetic conditions, especially if women have frozen their eggs when they were a bit older. And say you end up with two embryos and you have a genetic test and one may be normal and one may be abnormal. Then that will leave you with one embryo, which will be transferred into the womb. And hopefully that will end up in a pregnancy. And what percentage of women who go through egg freezing actually come back and retrieve their eggs? Overall, we have about one in five women that have come back. And that's partly because it's a fairly new technology. There were very few numbers doing it in the early years. And then those numbers have greatly increased more recently. But obviously, those women haven't come back to use those eggs yet. And of those one in five that have come back to use those eggs, one in five have successfully become mothers. So it's very low then. I like to stress the low success rate whenever I'm asked about this because I think it's really important that if women are undertaking this procedure, they do it fully aware of what it is that they're getting into, that they don't give themselves false hope that they've got this guaranteed baby in the future. The phrase that's often used is that egg freezing is an insurance policy. That's a terrible way to think about it because what we mean by an insurance policy usually when we use that phrase is that it's something that's a certain, but for a lot of people, it's not a backup that's going to work. I'm in my early 30s and I'm getting some targeted adverts on Instagram for egg freezing. You've looked into what clinics are claiming in their advertising and how they're trying to appeal to younger women, even teenagers in some cases. 
What did you find out? We did an academic analysis of how websites talked about egg freezing and the prices they quoted and the kind of the side effects or the benefits they mentioned. And that paper's a couple of years old now, but what we saw based on that data was actually it wasn't very unbiased and it wasn't very fair. So clinics tended to present the benefits and sort of upsides of egg freezing much more than the potential risks and downsides. And they weren't entirely honest about the price. One clinic had a claim on its website that they had an 85% success rate, which I have no idea how they arrived at that figure. And there is no way you could argue for that figure. And, you know, once we'd printed that in a published article and presented it back to them, they took it off their website pretty quickly. And I think that's really important. Last thing you want is some woman reading that on a website and then going into the egg freezing procedure thinking, well, 85% is pretty much certain, you know, (laughs) that's not accurate. What are the regulations in the UK around advertising these procedures? So that's a really tricky area. Our regulation in the UK for fertility treatment is sort of considered one of the best in the world. And it's based upon the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Act, which was passed in 1990. The whole atmosphere around fertility treatments has changed beyond recognition in those decades. So one of the things the Act doesn't really give scope for is the regulation of advertising or the commercial aspects of these businesses. This has become a commercialised procedure where private clinics stand to make a lot of money from potentially exploiting women's desires, their need to have a baby, and their fears about fertility What's to stop those clinics taking advantage of women? So there are two things. One is, you know, the underlying regulation tries to mitigate against the worst abuses of this industry. And it can go further and hopefully it will go further once we have better regulation. And I think secondly, you know, as desperate as it sounds to say that, it has to be their own conscience. There are doctors who are incredible, IVF doctors who are motivated primarily by the desire to help people have a child. But that's not everyone. If it's your day job and this is what you're doing day in and day out, maybe sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the importance of this for the people that are coming in through the door. It's not just the responsibility of clinics. It's our responsibility more broadly as a society to ensure that women are able to make sound and informed choices about the decisions they make. People are delaying having children to so such a late point that a lot of women are finding themselves biologically aged out. You know, that's a really tricky situation in which women to find themselves. And one of the ways in which to mitigate that would be to have a society that's more family friendly so that childcare was better organised. In fact, it's, you know, it's a huge comprehensive issue. It's not just how much is this clinic charging for egg freezing, but... Why does egg freezing make more sense than trying to have a child now? Having spoken to so many women over the decades that you've been researching this and just really getting to understand this whole industry, how has it made you reflect on your own fertility journey? I've had a very bumpy ride to motherhood, which is, you know, in a way it's interesting because I've ended up experiencing for myself a lot of the things I've studied. And I have a a baby boy who was conceived via IVF. I want to be very clear that I'm not one of these people who, from an ideological perspective, thinks these technologies 
are exploitative or they can be risky for women. I mean, I'm also very, very personally aware of how amazing they can be. My son is just the most precious, my biggest blessing, and I owe him to IVF. So I understand, even if the success rates are low, sometimes it can be just the most beautiful thing, the biggest gift. It's worth every shot, every pill, every injection, every scan, every appointment, you know, a hundred times over. Alexandra, how does it make you feel that that you've made this proactive choice about your fertility? I'm grateful that I have the means to make that decision and that I didn't let it go any longer. I don't regret what I've done, like in the past, as in things that have led to now. Now I feel quite kind of relieved because... I don't have to constantly think about dating in terms of, hmm, does that look like a suitable person who I could have children with in the next 18 to 20 months? How likely do you think it is that you'll actually use these eggs? I feel like I've got five years now to live a bit Mm. because I've quit my job and I'm looking to kind of rebalance my life. I feel like I'm going to have the time to probably work that out in the next five years. I feel... Like happy that I've taken that control back over my life. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Thanks to Dr. Zainab Girton, Beth Fellini, and to Alexandra for speaking to me. If you want to read more about this, Hannah Devlin, who's the Guardian's science correspondent, has written an article called A Lottery Ticket, Not a Guarantee. Fertility Experts on the Rise of Egg Freezing which you can, of course, find on our website. If you're thinking about getting your eggs frozen, there's free and impartial advice on the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Authority's site. That's hfea.gov.uk. This episode was produced by Harim Khan. The executive producer was Elizabeth Casson. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.